This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson-Burns, founder of Heroin Training, where you can find my essays and this network of podcasts. This episode is on the yurt life, and this is my co-host, actress, activist, and occasional yurt dweller, Grace Gordon. Grace, we're going to get to your yurt life in a moment, but how is the rest of your art life? My art life feels very validating right now. Mm. Um, I just got back from a three-week trip away from LA. I was shooting a short film in Philadelphia, and um, I ended up booking a couple photo shoots along the way while I was there. And um, it just felt like an amazing trip because I got to obviously work, and I love acting, um, but around this time last year, last August, I also was in Philly for a little bit and it was like a terrible time in my life where like all of these last minute cancellations kept happening with shoots I had booked and I was like losing money because of other people bailing. And it was like, mm. a, I was invested in a project that ended up failing and it was just, it was like a really harrowing time in my art life and now i you know i was here in philly at this about about the same time of year one year later and all of these things happened that went so smoothly and i'm so glad that i was able to just reflect on that in itself and just be grateful like that things were really different um and from from all of that i went to alaska with my family which we will talk more about soon um, but that was also a fantastic experience that ended up being a lot more creative than I expected it to be. Mm, I love how the cycle is, has, has completed itself with your, your Philly art life journey from last year to this year. Yeah. I feel like I acquired some good karma. I banked yeah. it, banked up some karma <laughs> and I really do notice that it's paying me back now. And I'm just like, wow, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hmm. But you have been up to some very interesting and special events as well. So how is your art life? I have, yes. My art life is, I just keep going around the city right now being like, I'm so full of art. That is my state of mind, just art. It's the Edinburgh Fringe Festival um, here in town for the month. It's the largest performing arts festival in the world there are thousands of shows and thousands thousands that Mm -hmm. i believe there are four thousand events and everything turns into a fringe venue there are theater spaces but also little attic rooms on top of shops that you never knew were there there is a there is a yurt that is a performance venue as well i'm hoping to get to catch something in the yurt but there's yes. so much time and uh, there, there's so little time to see all of these shows that are on at different times of the day. And I this festival is what brought me to the city several years ago, the first time that I visited as a theater critic. And I was I was so enchanted by this project of there's this air of openness between performers and audience members of let's let's try new things and 
let's explore new ideas and tell stories in different ways. And people are really open to discovering something new at this time of year. So I have been theater going and learning lots and thinking lots. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so full as well. It's really tiring, tiring. Now, when you're attending shows during the festival, do you go to multiple in a day? Do you try to hit a certain number in a week? Like, how do you choose things? Mm, yeah, I I have a three show a day limit. Oh my personally. god! Oh my god! <laughs> they're they're usually about an hour long, but I've found that this year, and it might be the kinds of shows that I'm going to. I'm not sure, but it seems like this year there are more on the 70 minute, 90 minute. Um, end of the end of the scale, but I go to about thirty shows per year, and wow, um, yeah, it's it's sort of an art in itself is how to balance going to the fringe because it's very easy to get into this mindset of I need to see as much as I possibly can, but I find when I overbook myself and I overplan it, then I can't anticipate what I will need in terms of how much space I'll need in between shows to process the first show or what subject matter I'm interested in and what new subject matter might pique my interest based on something that I've just seen. So you have to make room for yourself to follow whims as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I was getting this, um, when the festival first starts, I'm like, okay, there's the, it's all here, I have to go. I have to go and, and see things, but it's really only about halfway through that word of mouth spreads and um, the shows that I really, really want to see emerge on my radar. So it's this sort of it's this sort of balance of of my personal pacing through the experience as well. So I'm really in tune with that this year and I'm trying to not overdo it for the sake of of just collecting more collecting more shows. Have you had any favorite that you'd like to share? Ooh, um, yes. The show that has really struck me this year that I recommend to absolutely everybody is called Seasick, and it's at Canada Hub. It's a one-woman show, and the performer is is not an actor, but she's a journalist who has researched a lot about climate change and has really taken on the role of explorer in discovering what scientists are doing to study what's happening to this planet. And it's a really beautiful show that has not only informed me about climate change in a way that I was kind of aware of, but um, but now feel a lot more knowledgeable about the subject but it also really hit home with this with the power of storytelling and the importance of storytelling and how we need effective communicators in order to make scientific change so i love when i love when a show combines something unexpected like science and the arts and it really feels like it's going to make a difference. So I'm not sure where that show is going next. Um, but I if you have the chance to see it, then definitely do. That sounds fantastic. Shall we 
delve into your yurt life? I think we shall. So to give a little backstory to those listening, I just got back from a week in Alaska with my family, um, my dad's side of the family. So it was my dad, stepmom, five of my brothers, my sister, and then my sister-in-law and nephew. So it was a lot of people. And um, we stayed in yurts. We went fishing and hiking and ice climbing. Like I went ice climbing with ice picks down a crevasse in a glacier a couple times, which was quite terrifying um, and very rewarding. Um, And I want to just quickly define what a yurt is because I know that there will be people listening to this who have no idea what I'm talking about. So I I just pulled up a little definition online that I want to read. Um, A yurt is a portable round tent covered with skins or felt used as a dwelling by several distinct nomadic groups, but it's kind of been appropriated, I will say, this, this dwelling for basically glamping. I mean, I see it in a lot of um, nature retreats and spiritual retreats, like they happen in these yurts. Um, usually it's like lattice work uh, wood that's um, covered in like either a thick tent cloth or um, f- uh, not really tarp, but animal skins or something of that sort. So it's sort of like glamping. Um all natural though um not with any of the tech or i don't know things you might imagine when you hear the word glamping um but it's somewhere between like camping and and staying in a cabin Mm -hmm. um so we i knew we were going to stay in these i didn't know what to expect i ended up loving these yurts so much. I slept better than I've like ever slept in my life. People who know me intimately know that I do not sleep. I'm just not a sleeper. (laughs) And like every night that we were there, I slept like a baby. Oh my gosh. Which was shocking to me because at this time in Alaska, there's about four hours of darkness every night. Mm. So I was expecting to be awake you know, my, I was expecting my insomnia to be completely triggered, but it was the opposite. It's like, I slept so beautifully in nature. Do you know what it was? I think, I think that I just felt so much more peaceful Mm. than I do out in the regular world. I think that I did exhaust myself physically doing all of the activities that we did. Um, and I just, I just think that like every, you know, every, um, yurt had a big skylight in it so even with like light coming in at weird hours I just felt so at peace and so connected to nature that my mind was not spinning the way that it normally does so this is the yurt life <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the things that really surprised me about this trip was that I knew what I was getting into. I especially knew that it was going to be a bit chaotic with the amount of brothers that were there. Um, and I expected to be kind of stressed out. I expected that the physical aspect would be super taxing, like the climbing and 
um, even even deep sea fishing, all of that, I was expecting to be kind of hard on the body. And I was expecting to not, honestly, I was expecting this to be a huge challenge week, Mm. physically and mentally being around that many family members. Like, I think that that can obviously be stressful for some people. But it ended up being one of the like, most creative weeks I've had in a long time, even coming from this movie that I just did. Um, you know, where I was expecting to be exhausted or stressed or, or distracted by the physical challenges ahead of myself, I drew more than I ever have in my spare time when we were in the car, when we were like uh, back on the campground. I was drawing, 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 and my drawing even like improved dramatically within one week. I should also add that I deleted my Twitter and my Facebook (laughs) about a week and a half ago. And there's certainly that's part of it. But I think that that I think that loops in and is totally related to this topic as well. Like this time spent in solitude in nature and my own personal choices as I get older to like turn away from social media, even if it feels necessary. So you Um, literally deleted your social media Went to Alaska. <laughs> oh, man. Stayed in a yurt. Spent time with people in person. And your art improved. It really did. Do you think it was the the nature or the amount of time you were able to focus on it or something else when you say your art improved? Right. I, I mean, I think that I have this idea in my head that I go into nature or I meditate or I, you know, go on a long hike um, to to detox from the world. Mm. I think I have this idea in my head that it's supposed to be a release and that that's like the purpose of an activity like that or the purpose of the week last week, for example, mm. is to like um, just kind of get rid of the noise of the world. And, but what I've been finding more and more in the past year, especially because I am on my own personal journey of really connecting to nature more than I ever thought I would in my life within the past year, um, I've noticed that I actually draw a lot of inspiration from being in nature rather than needing it to be an opportunity to like purge. So I guess I'm learning that more and more with every trip that I do, like where I expect to be, you know, exhausted from a long hike or where I expect to be like just kind of detoxing all of my anxieties and feelings. And and there is some of that. I find more and more that I'm actually more creative and have more ideas come to me when I intentionally shut all of the devices off and go into nature. I can definitely relate to that. And I'm I'm on to that as well, where when I'm feeling creatively stuck or when my mind is feeling cluttered, a little voice in the back of my head says, well, there's a mountain just around the corner. You could just go over there. And I guarantee you it will solve this problem. You walk a lot as well, right? I do. Yeah. I live in a city that's extremely walkable. And so it's pretty much my sole form of transportation. And that's it, amazing. Yeah, I'm I really can't go in any other direction now that I'm used to this. So um it's really jarring to me when I'm pretty much anywhere else and have to rely on cars or on public transportation because I'm so used to walking giving me my flow of the day. Living in LA, I've definitely sorely missed walkable cities, 
even growing up in Philly, I walked mm. almost everywhere. And it's quite different in LA. I mean, I still walk as much as I can, but people are shocked here if you walk anywhere because it's mm. such a car city. What was it like to land back in LA after this retreat in nature? I think I'm seeing things a little bit differently. I think in a lot of ways, it's been a goal of mine, like almost to allow myself to see things differently. There's a lot of obviously superficiality in LA, but also, I mean, it's just the world, right? And there's a lot of distractions. And especially out here, there's a lot of temptation to care about the wrong things um, when you work in Hollywood, of course. And I think that this is part of the reason that I've gotten off some social media platforms. And this is part of the reason that I've started claiming this word artist as opposed to just, I'm an actress. Um, I think that my soul really needs to feel like I'm doing things differently and like I'm setting an example. And like, obviously, I'm, I'm living a life that is close to my values. And I think like it's... I'm clear to me more and more why going out into nature and even backpacking and climbing a freaking glacier, these things that sound so intense, it's becoming more and more clear to me like that those are those are part of my art life because those are part of like grounding me in, in overcoming challenges and grounding me in what is important. So coming back to LA, I think I just, I felt a lot clearer on what I'm doing in the world and I, I, I'm having more ideas come to me, I think. Not even ideas, but just sort of like this feeling of accepting the way that I am doing things. Mm -hmm. Because there's obviously there's so much noise that makes us doubt as artists the way that we are doing things, right? There's so much noise that makes us question ourselves and our paths. And, you know, that's still something I deal with all the time. And I think more and more that noise is quieting for me. Mm. And I feel a lot more comfortable with myself right now. That's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how you. elementally you're welcome. <laughs> it's amazing how literal this can be sometimes where being, being on a mountain can ground you was the word that you used. And it's, it's just the element of earth of when nothing is more grounded than a mountain. One of the happiest times I've ever had was this April when I went on a four-day backpacking trip with my mom and my sister and Catalina. I also, mm. I left my phone intentionally in my sister's car and I told my agents and my manager, I said, I'm going to be gone. There is no way you can contact me. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're normally made to feel like you have to be available all the mm. time when you're an actor. And I was like, nope you cannot contact me like I am gone <laughs> how refreshing um, and what I loved about this backpacking trip which was physically really intense was that every day I was responsible for one thing and it was like getting from point a mm. to point b that was it and it's like having that clear of a task ahead of you mm. it just feels so amazing to just like not be distracted to not feel like you have you know 20 different things you need to get back to someone with you're just walking from point a to point b 
And in preparation for this episode, Zandra, I even realized, and it was it's absolutely crazy to me that this is true, I realized that most of my favorite books are just like books about people walking from point A to point B <laughs> in the middle of nature with no technology. And I'm obviously outing myself as like kind of afraid of social media and phones. And I think that that's already become clear within these couple of episodes, even as someone who like has a Patreon and like, you know, relies heavily on the connections made through something like Instagram. Um, I, I just really love apocalyptic books where all technology fails. Mm. And I I just thought it was so funny when I realized this, I started making a list of some of my favorite books and like these, um, these, you know, foundational books in my life. Because as I mentioned earlier, like I'm, I was such an indoors kid and I was not active at all when I was younger. Um, if anything, I was like terrified of nature and the outdoors and exercise. Like those were, those were things I was terrified of. And now, especially in the past year, I'm like, what is the most extreme thing I can think of? Okay, I'm going to do that. And then realizing that actually I've always loved these stories. I've always loved Mm. the characters who have done that. And it's like, maybe I'm just, I'm, for the first time in my life, you know, doing what I actually want. Wow. The call, you know, it's like the call has always been there for me. Yeah. I would love to see that list. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of them are obvious ones like, like Wild and even The Road. I'm currently reading The Stand, which has a lot of walking around with no (laughs) technology. Um, I mean, I could, the list could go on, but most of these books that I thought of were like, post-apocalyptic books where there's no tech there's just time spent in nature and and people you know surviving off the land and as you're saying all of this it's reminding me of our favorite wendell berry who is a writer and gardener who writes a lot about what we're talking about here about the value of nature and simplicity and something that he says is how Nature is branded as a retreat in our modern day of you go to nature to recharge, but he believes that nature shouldn't be that. It should just always be around us. And so it's something that I think about a lot is how how can I make nature more a part of my everyday experience rather than just something that I I retreat to for a day or a weekend. And where I'm finding an answer in what you're saying, Grace, is in this simplicity and this clarity of having less to do and less to look at. One way that I incorporated some of these concepts in the past year or two was living outside Griffith Observatory. Mm. I ended up doing a lot of hiking with people. I have noticed that it's a lot easier to connect and be vulnerable even with new friends or new connections when you're walking and when you're in nature. Obviously there's no phones distracting you, but but also I I I find that when you're not facing someone and you're not needing to like look them in the eye and stare them down across a table, mm. it's actually a lot easier to connect. 
There's something beautiful about taking you out of that familiar zone as well of sitting in chairs and drinking coffee, of doing something that is is moving and a little bit different from what how you're used to connecting as a person. Like you said, I think that opens that opens people up. I think that the, it takes some sort of like performative aspect of ourselves away. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just think there's not as much of a need to like put on airs, you know, um, or be guarded or whatever else you normally do that keeps you quote unquote safe because like you're just walking with a person and keeping things moving and feeling really free and you're not looking them in the eye but you are able to like open up your heart a lot more yeah and I think it's it's opening up your heart to the other person and to the shared experience that you're having it's really beautiful Grace I'm curious about how you mentioned that you were an indoor kid who read books about people walking at what point did that shift into who you are now of wanting to incorporate more nature into your life yeah it's funny I mean I grew up in Connecticut and Philly and I think about even the times where my parents would want to hike or my dad would want to forage for mushrooms which is something he is very passionate about really and I look back on these on those experiences with like overwhelming dread like I hated hiking I hated going into nature I hated bugs I just I was not for me and I was always watching tv or I was you know playing uh, video games on my computer or you know whatever it was that I was obsessed with at the time Harry Potter lost go on you know the list goes on I love Lost is another people put in nature with no phones oh, story. Okay. And Harry Potter too, <laughs> oh, that wow. stuff goes haywire at Hogwarts. Oh, and they go camping for yes. quite some time. An entire book. And it, it's just so funny to me that I was so resistant to those experiences. I think that I, I identified somewhere in between like nerd and girly girl mm-hmm. also. And as I'm getting older, I'm just, I'm able to let go of a lot of those identities or like I'm able to let go of like you know the the confinement I felt within them yeah um because I'm just certainly like discovering now like oh I love challenging myself physically with doing something like backpacking or I love challenging my fears with like ice climbing that was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life and we went down the glacier not the glacier itself, but down the crevasse, so like 100 feet down, and then climbing up with like um, pick ice picks, and mm-hmm. you're like on a harness, and it, on one of the climbs, the ice was so, um, so dense that I could not even barely get my picks in, or my crampons, which are the, basically the spikes you attach to your feet, and it was freaking horrifying. I Like my legs were shaking because it was physically so hard to even like get up when the ice was so dense but also because I was terrified um and that was and I thought about not going on the third climb because I was like no that last one 
made me dizzy. I was so scared. But then I just sucked it up and I did it and it it felt incredible. And it's like, you know, I look back on all of the experiences I had as a kid in nature and how I could have had so many more. And I I often, especially as an actor, like wish I had um, had a lot more like athletic training or more involvement in sports as a kid because like that would be really useful to me now. But I think that it's also like a really healing thing and a really beautiful part of my own healing journey that I'm discovering things about myself in my mid-20s that I was super closed off to most of my life. Mm. And some of those like even challenges that I'm giving myself make me a lot braver in my art life and my day-to-day life. I was just thinking today, like, okay, if I can climb that freaking glacier three times thinking like I very well could die, like I can put myself out there as an artist. Like it's going to be okay. The stakes are way lower. (laughs) It really puts things in perspective. I think any opportunity we have to like kind of let go of our own egos is also really healthy. Like Mm. even the fact that I tend to prefer to to dress really glamorously, like I really like to. Mm. It's, you know, I, I like to have my makeup and my femme fatale thing going on and um and a lot of these experiences in nature have made me you know literally not be able to do that because i'm like away from any makeup or hair dryer for days on end <laughs> but mm. also like i you know i think that that's been really healthy for me because i i think that i am someone who Although I do like to be dressed up and that's, you know, part of my art is my femininity and my clothing and all of these things, especially as a model. I think that sometimes I can think that, like, I can hold on too much to that identity, right? And it's like, there are other parts of my personality and who I am that I really want to explore. And so when I'm forced to, like, let go of those things and be gross and have my hair be like wild and like matted with sea salt (laughs) you know and I'd be like bruised and cover in bug bites which I still am by the way um that is such a opportunity for self-discovery and making room for something like suddenly I'm drawing in all of my free time because my creative energy isn't going to what it normally goes to. Mm. Did you find that just that shaking up that routine as well of, um, well, now I normally do my hair and now I normally do my makeup and then I do my to-do list. Do you think that was part of that freeing space in your day? I think it could have been I mean, I had, I noticed one day I took the day off basically from the many activities and I stayed home and I read my book and, or I stayed home as in my yurt, which is home now. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I read my book. I just needed a rest. And um, I did actually, cause I had the time do, you know, I got dressed a little nicer. I d- did my eyebrows, whatever it was. And I think that I also appreciated it more. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I do need the rest and, and it's like, you know, I think any of these opportunities to like give up your normal routine, g- give up your social media, give up your obsession with always looking put together. It also makes you appreciate when you when you go back to real life or whatever your normal routine is what you want to keep and what you want to let go of. And so it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I really appreciated feeling put together and feeling beautiful, like more than I normally would. 
because mm-hmm. I have been spending days as like a scary cave woman. Um, <laughs> but I do think that it's good to write just to, to experiment with like how much time you have when you get rid of those normal activities to do something different. Mm-hmm. And what from your crazy cave woman life are you bringing back to your normal life? I think that more than anything, I'm just bringing back like a f- sense of fearlessness. Ooh. And and that was part that came up in my backpacking trip because there was some like really steep declines that we did where I actually, you know, felt like my life was in danger. But this trip in particular, I mean just the just the experience of like ice climbing a glacier. Uh it was f- it was freaking scary. And I am so glad I did it. And it has just given me a lot of perspective about my own fear in day-to-day life, right? And how like, you know, that's, it's not, I don't think it's about getting rid of it or like letting, you know, letting go of fear. Because I don't really think that's possible. Like I'm a human who's had experiences that have made me, you know, guarded in some ways or or um, I'm just naturally per- going to fear anything that makes me feel judged right in my art life or makes me feel vulnerable and I I think that it made me realize the ice climb especially like the goal is not to be quote unquote fearless it's to just do it anyway and I even in the past few days I just felt right like a lot more comfortable with myself and a lot more comfortable with the ways that in which I want to do things differently in Hollywood and I just feel like a lot less attached to outcomes too in my personal life Mm -hmm. you know I can take risks I'm a risk taker I can ask that person on a date or I can go try something new I'm doing a 5k in a couple months and I'm very nervous about it because I'm not a runner um, you know, I just like, I'm a, per- I have this identity now of being a, a badass. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. And I don't think I felt that way before the last few months of doing, um, these physical challenges and just spending so much time in nature. I just have started to really own this identity of, of being like a, a risk taker of being someone who like, takes on these like incredible challenges and is willing to do that even though she's terrified not without fear but with the fear I think that's a good distinction to make and I think I'm I'm a climber as you may know and by the way ice climbing is the line for me I would never I'm too scared for that so I did not realize that that's many people's lines until after Uh uh-huh doing it (laughs) uh yeah yeah, ice climbing is is another level of of that. So well done. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I think that climbing climbing was especially a rewarding activity for me as a student at university, where it was this stark contrast to my academic studies, which had a lot of pressure on them and a lot of their own challenges, but. Climbing is so physical, and actually one of the things that I love about climbing is that it's an equal, it requires an equal amount of uh, physical strength, mental strength, and technical skill. So it's beautifully balanced in that way, and what I find is really helpful about it is, like you're describing, it's, it's not 
silencing fear, but it's it's listening to fear and it's playing with fear and the challenges that it brings and brings new perspective on that concept to the safety of sitting in a chair and writing about something dangerous. It's it expands my definition of that as well as as um as helping me embody it by being such a physical activity. So whether you are ice climbing or sitting in your yurt during the day, how how does the idea of artist play into into your identity throughout these activities? It's definitely made me curious, for one, about other artists and how much time they spend in nature. It made me realize, like, when we start interviewing people eventually for this show, I'm probably going to want to ask that any interview subject I have about nature and about whether it's an important part of their art life. Because I've certainly discovered that you know, that 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 is a through line in many of the artists I admire. Shout out to Wendell Berry yet again. Um, You know, and I'm a big reader of poetry too. So it's like so much, so much uh, metaphor and imagery and in poetry is related to nature. I also had the really cool experience of being able to tell people about my art life when on some of these adventures. Mm -hmm. And that was true during my backpacking trip as well. Like you're, if you're doing a guided tour or a guided hike, which I always do because I'm I'm nowhere near close to ever doing one of these things without a guide, um, you are often in a group with strangers or even just your guides are, are obviously strangers. And I really loved being able to share about working in Hollywood, being an actress, being a model, whatever it is that I was sharing with people who knew nothing about that world and were like Mm. really curious and really open. And I like loved that I was able to share with them like behind the scenes information, not like gossip, but like, oh, this is what it's really like. I'm a naturally optimistic person. So that helps. Um, So, you know, I was, I was sharing my love of the craft and my love of, of films and whatever it is, you know, like even like I have this belief that, you know, people talk about, oh, it's such a hard life. It's such a hard uh, world to enter. It's, it's you know, so difficult to, to be an actor. And I'm like, that's bullshit. Like, I'm so privileged, like, to be able to pursue this at all, especially as, like, a single woman. Like, I really, I hate the, like, oh, that's so hard. Like, no, it's not. I'm pursuing <laughs> my dream. Like, there are much harder things to choose, you know, and to have to deal with. Like ice climbing. Um, like ice climbing. <laughs> so I really, I, I that was one thing that I wasn't expecting about the way that my art life would intersect with some of these um, tr- adventures. This, this trip was like, I was meeting a lot of strangers and I was able to tell them about this world. And like, people are so curious about it. And I just, I loved sharing and I loved like one of my guides telling me that like she had done theater as a kid and she had always really had a dream of doing it but she'd like never tried it um and it was just cool to like encourage her and like hear about her life in theater when she was younger um and it reminded me too like everyone's an artist you Mm -hmm. know everyone is and some people's art is cooking some people you know are performers who aren't maybe doing it for their day job but I, I really love 
um, again, taking away my own ego a little bit or having to strip away my own ego. And like when you're just out in the world with no distraction, maybe you realize like how funny some people are who aren't freaking comedians, (laughs) you know, like they're just hilarious. Or like my brother, Jake, who I always honestly think of as kind of like a football jock kind of kid. He, you know, he was in high school. He's a really good hearted person, but I always put him in this category in my mind of like, oh yeah, he's the jock. And then watching him become this like incredible photographer in the past year and then watching him like, you know, shoot things with his with his camera while we were out on this trip, taking gorgeous photos of all of the nature around us. It was like, oh, this kid's an artist. And it just like challenged my own perceptions about other people too so much. It's really interesting how this theme has emerged over this episode of how nature strips us of our egos and the more superficial parts of our identity of these high school click tables of identities of this person can only be a jock or this person can only be a nerd and it's reminding me of one of my favorite TV shows, Survivor, which oh, wow. is basically this premise of put a bunch of people from different walks of life with from different everyday experiences on an island together, take away all of their basic comforts and see what happens. Well, and one of my favorites was Lost. Yeah. So it's the same, same idea. And I think that when the reason the reason that loss was so important to me was it was about people who were really troubled or, you know, came from deeply conflicting backgrounds and like had to drop all of that away and and build mm-hmm. a community and take care of each other and and see past these preconceived notions they had based on someone's background or what they looked like or even what language they spoke. And it's like every time I go out on the trail, I have to do that, especially if I leave all all tech somewhere else. Um, even in LA, you know, like you walk, you'll hike up a mountain and hike by some actor you love because it's LA. And it's like, even there, I'm like, this is just a person. We're just like doing this hike. We're all sharing this mountain. <laughs> yeah. And that's like very healthy. Yeah. And I, I do feel like it's important to include the caveat that as someone who part of my superficial identity is being a nature girl, there are complications within that as well, where the further you get into the climbing world, the more competitive it gets. And I I wrote about this one time and I said, um, some people collect mountains like handbags of like, if I do that mountain, then I am at a certain level. Or if I climb this grade, then I'm at a certain level. And so we bring these artificial ways of measuring our experiences into nature sometimes. And that's the side of it that I feel disconnected from. But as you were talking about your intentional moments of dress up, even in the wild, it reminded me of something that I am working on with my relationship to nature is I have been challenging myself to dress 
more comfortably, by which I mean dressing more like myself when I'm in nature, I find athleisure really uncomfortable, like the tight-fitting yoga pants um, type of type of clothing. I, I find that really constricting. And so I've been challenging myself to bring more of my femininity and more of my personal style into my walks. So whenever, whenever possible, I go hill walking in a skirt and I have a new bar for when I'm purchasing hiking clothes for it to not only be functional, but to also fit in with the rest of my wardrobe. Oh, I love that. It's my way of being a Jane Austen heroine in the modern day. I absolutely <laughs> love that. I'm so inspired and now I want to go thrifting. So yes. thanks. <laughs> and um, I will also close on the note that I was at a retreat in Tuscany last year and there was a perfume making activity where we were doing tasting notes for different scents and then making our own signature scents. And I made two one was called Library Chair, and the other was called Hiking Chic. Wow. So this is definitely going to be like a new challenge that I text you about, at least privately, <laughs> where I let myself be feminine or, you know, whatever it is that I am feeling that day within the hike or within the workout. Yes. Instead of photos. having to separate them. Yeah. Especially because so much of this conversation has been about me letting go of these separations mm -hmm. within myself. And we talked a lot about bringing nature home, but we can also bring our daily lives back into nature and connect to it that way. So what is the art life? Oh, goodness gracious. Um, the art life is feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Mm. What is the art life? The art life is what holds it all together. So Grace, was there anything in this episode that reminds you of your other artwork that you would like to share? Well, if you're on my Patreon, I've been doing some travel writing in the past few months, but specifically I did some writing about Philly and the community, the arts community there. I'm also going to be dropping a lot of my pen and ink drawings from my trip in Alaska and potentially maybe some photography that my brothers did of all of our various adventures. So if you're interested in this sort of all-encompassing art life that I have, whether it's while out on the trail or in the studio, you can find me on patreon.com slash gracegordonofficial. That's where everything ends up. What about you? Nature is top of mind for me right now because in Everyday Wonderland, my community, it's our theme for the month. So by the time this episode airs, the theme will have passed, but it will always come up again. And our community is called the secret garden. So we use that metaphor of what seeds we're planting and what flowers we are enjoying in our secret garden together. So I try to bring nature into the into the digital spaces through our imaginations as well. And then I am constantly writing about the theme of nature in my work. Most recently, I wrote an essay called Michelin and Monroe's, which touches on this idea that 
came up over the episode of of ticking off mountains and achieving mountains and how I'm personally confronting that that way of listifying our experiences in nature and enjoying things more more naturally. So my essays are on heroinetraining.com and Everyday Wonderland is available through my Patreon at patreon.com slash heroinetraining. If I may say so, I just think that the work you are doing, bringing nature back to the digital landscape, landscape, (laughs) um, I think that the work you're doing is really important. And, you know, Maybe if more people were creating like you, I would not be running for the hills <laughs> and getting and deleting my social media accounts. So I really appreciate you and your writing. Thank you. Thank you. This is The Art Life, a heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson Burns. You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91607, or email us, theartlife at heroinetraining.com. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.